welcome to the Teen Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy, and today we are talking about having difficult conversations with Mary Allard. Hi, guys. Welcome to the podcast. I have a special guest today, and her name is Mary Allard. And I wanted to have her on today just because I get a lot of requests from you guys about having difficult conversations and maybe when you get into difficult conversations with your parents you don't know what to say or sometimes your parents want you to say a certain thing and you say what you really mean and you get in trouble for it so mary is a really great resource for difficult conversations so go ahead and introduce yourself we're so happy to have you here today thanks sammy and hello to everyone listening i'm really excited to be here too um a lot of people have asked me like why am i attracted to difficult conversations because it's a weird thing to have a desire to cover and i think it really starts with the fact that i was the youngest of five kids there was a lot going on i was always navigating a lot of different dynamics a lot of different personalities carry that on into being i was a national athlete in my high school years and and um someone that was really driven in academics and there's just always conflict that arises, I think, when you're relating with people. So it doesn't really take much to get to that situation. And that really drove me to do some studies in psychology where I learned holistic model to, to psychology, which is like thinking of the whole person, what's the, the body, mind, spirit approach to psychology, as well as the more traditional approach and since then have founded a, a podcast that we actually just host awkward conversations. That's pretty much the premise and a, a platform for teenage girls that is revolves around all different types of, of life skills, including communication skills to be able to navigate and talk about, um, you know, honor yourself, but uh, bring down the defenses when you're in a situation that can be challenging. Yeah. And I just, I think that there's so many reasons why we tend to avoid difficult conversations. And especially with the teens that I work with, you know, they don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings or they don't want to feel awkward themselves. You know, there's just so many reasons why we really, <laughs> we tend to just like want to run away from those difficult conversations, but they're so important to have. And so mm -hmm. I think if you can help the listeners today, help them learn some tools to navigate those difficult conversations. I think that would be amazing. Well, I think like the first thing to point out though, too, is that it's human nature to avoid difficult conversations, to avoid conflict. Like, so when you're in your fight, flight or freeze, so the stress response, maybe you feel your palms sweating, maybe your heart's racing, maybe you're, um, whatever it is, you're feeling kind of like defensive or scared and you don't even recognize it, but your body's telling you that that historically was a sign to be like, I need to get to safer ground. I need to do something. I need to make sure that I'm, I'm in a safe place. So it's, it's normal. Actually our brain, it's 30,000 times more triggered in that state that it, it doesn't even have logic. So it can be really hard to know what to say, how to say something when you're feeling stressed or in a stressful situation. So I first, I, first of all, want to say like, one of the most important things when it comes to difficult conversations is to understand that it's normal to want to avoid it. And then on the flip side, it's also really important to know that your body is doing what it's supposed to be doing by protecting you, but you can actually really teach it to learn to um, access 
the right words. You can kind of train it when you're not in those stressful situations so that you can be articulate and you can say what you really want to say and you can honor yourself even if you're feeling highly emotional and not very logical. I think the part of honoring yourself is so important because how do you do that? Honoring yourself and worrying about being in charge of another person's emotions. And I think that is a really, really hard thing to do. It's extremely hard. And I would say that it just gets easier with practice, right? Mm -hmm. So again, it goes back to being gentle. And so like what you said, it's important to sort of think about yourself first. And one of the first tools that I teach people in, in difficult conversations, when you find yourself in a difficult conversation or difficult situation is something called a generous perspective and the generous perspective. So it sounds just like what it is. It's like having generosity in your hearts or a, a kinder perspective with the person that you're relating to, but the person that you're relating to most frequently is yourself. So you should first start with having that generous perspective with yourself, a mantra or a thing that I like to say to myself a lot is I'm doing the best that I can. I think coming from that place of, again, realizing that your body is doing everything that it should and that you're always doing the best that you can, at least starting from that place, first looking inward and coming from there, then you can start to extend that generosity to the person that you're talking to or the person that is maybe feeling threatening to you or telling you that you did something that upset them or asking you to do something that is outside of your boundary. And and if you need to start with if you're ghosting somebody or you're avoiding those difficult conversations, you can still start with, okay, I'm doing the best that I can because this is the best that I know. And sometimes that's just where we have to start until we learn more and educate ourselves more on, okay, this is why my body is doing this. And then, you know, kind of lean into that uncomfortableness about having a difficult conversation. All you people, all you listeners out there listening, you already are doing the best that you can. (laughs) However, you are dealing with difficult conversations currently. Yes. And that's also, that's kind of like a universal truth. Like we're all always doing the best that we can, because even if you didn't necessarily Uh, say something as tactfully or as kind as you wish you would have, you were only able to say it in the way that you were in that exact moment. And you'll, you'll either learn from that or the person that you're relating to will also um, understand some boundaries. So it's, it is a universal truth. And then when you find yourself in situations where maybe you want to stretch a little bit more and you want to like really be compassionate to the person that is, that you're having this difficult conversation to what I like to do So I take this generous perspective one step further. Let's say that you are feeling in that state of threat and you're feeling frustrated. You wish that you weren't in that situation. I like to try and think about the person that I have or thing or pet that I have absolute unconditional love for, undying love. So, you know, a lot of us talk about our pets are our best friends because they're always excited to see us. So it can even be as simple as when you're feeling in that difficult situation, could you actually think about uh, this generosity for them? Like the way that you have generosity for maybe it's your grandparent. It's like your grandma or grandpa can do no wrong. Like even if they spilt something or, or screamed or they upset you in some sort of way, you're always like, Oh, that's just grandma. She's silly. Like I'm not too worried about it. It feels lighthearted. What if you could start to think about that or feel that emotion while you're in a situation with someone that 
doesn't necessarily that you don't actually get that generosity for. And it could even just be your pet. Like think about the love that you get when they run in the room and like, if they pee on the floor, maybe your mom or dad may be upset or your, or your parent or guardian, but you may just be like, okay, well, we didn't let them out soon enough, right? No big deal. It's a forgiving mentality. And so do you have this mentality towards yourself or towards the other person that you're in a difficult conversation? Towards the other person. Okay. So you see the other person that you're having a difficult conversation with and like slowly their face melts into your puppy, right? (laughs) Exactly. Okay. (laughs) It's so, it's really, it it can be kind of silly, but what it does is that, like I was talking about that 30,000 times more strong emotional part of your brain. If you can even give yourself a few seconds where you can think about something that doesn't necessarily make you feel afraid or threatened or not safe. If your dog or your pet makes you feel safe or your grandma or your grandpa makes you feel safe, that's a generous perspective for the person that you're talking with. And then it actually softens the situation and that person actually feels you softening too. And they don't feel threatened either. And then there's like these really cool, like quick language tricks. Um, and they're not really tricks. They're just ways for you to, to resource that don't take much. And one of the one, the things that I love the most, so you mentioned, you know, if someone, let's say someone's coming over or they, they text you or they, they contact you and they're like, Hey, will you come over and help me study tonight? And last time you studied together, maybe you felt like you didn't get as much out of it, or the person asked you to come over and they wanted you to play in outside, but you were like, you know, I don't always have the most fun with them. And so you're feeling like what you ultimately want to do is say, no, that feels like a difficult conversation. The tendency is that you want to avoid that, right? So instead you can use two little words and it's, I wish, and starting with, I wish immediately makes the other person feel like, oh, like, They wish they could, and they can't. It feels personal when someone says, hey, will you come over to study? And the person responds like, no, I I can't, and you don't know why, or um, I'm not going to because last time, you know, I helped you, but you didn't help me at all, or I'm not coming outside because you were annoying, whatever. It's something that's really hurtful. You could just say, I wish I could. And I can't right now because of this, or I wish I could, and I can't right now, whatever it is, it actually makes the person person feel really seen and it um, disarms them. When you say, I wish, do you state like the reason why you are not coming outside? First you would say, I wish, I wish I could, or I wish whatever. So you're acknowledging the, I wish to the action that you're, that you're being asked. So I wish I could do this. And I always like to say, instead of, but. I usually say, and so instead of you saying, but, cause that's not necessarily honoring yourself, but I say, and maybe some other time, you know, so it keeps the door open, but ultimately it's like right now I'm, I wish I could. And I know this is something that you want and it's, it, it's not necessarily something that I can do for myself right now. Right. Okay. So there is a neighbor boy that knocks on my door quite frequently. In fact, my doorbell just rang and I bet you that's him right now. <laughs> But um, my kids have played with him in the past and he's super cute, but sometimes they get frustrated with the way that he plays or when they're with him and his brother a lot, the boys end up fighting all the time. And, you know, it's just kids. And so when this particular neighbor comes and knocks on the door, like my kids will look through the glass and they'll see him and then they'll run away. Right. I'm like, you guys, like, why don't you just open the door and be like, Hey, 
we want to play with you, but we don't like it when you do this or when you do that. And so if you are willing to not do those things, then we'll totally play with you. Like, when is that appropriate? I think it's super appropriate to set boundaries and be really clear about that too. I think that there, it's important how you do that. So, um, what will happen is if you lean into, and this is like, kind of like, you know, uh, psychotherapy, um, sort of entry level, uh, not entry level, but it's just the language tools that you learn in psychotherapy for some, from the beginning. So I think how cool, if we started to say, if you start statements with I, rather than when you do this, what if instead you say, I feel this when, so it first starts with, then they hear, oh, uh, there's a disarming factor to I feel sad or I feel frustrated or I feel um, uncomfortable. I feel angry, whatever it is, it leans with the emotion first and the feeling of the person expressing that boundary to then the child that's receiving it or your friend that's receiving it saying, oh, first they hear they're feeling frustrated or they're feeling sad or they're feeling um, hurt. Then they can hear that emotion first and then hear the feedback as to what of their actions is contributing to that. I think I need a lesson in psychotherapy so that I can can use the correct words when I'm having a difficult conversation because I'm the worst. Well, that's, that's what I was saying. It's all about practice and you don't necessarily want to be practicing when you're feeling when he comes knocking at the door, that's not the time to practice. Right. right? So the time to practice is with you when they feel safe or with other friends and the, the less triggering or less heightened moments where they want to set a boundary and express their feelings and then say what made them feel that way. So I think it really does sort of come down to just flipping it as to first saying like that generous perspective, first I'm doing the best that I can, then they're doing the best that they can, because I think that we need to focus in on ourselves first, then the person. Um, So same thing, I feel a certain way because of the other person's behavior. So Mm -hmm. it just always... Think the best thing that we can do is by honoring ourselves like what we started with is going to be the most important thing and that by that nature we're all going to attract people that are going to in turn honor us as well and so i know this isn't how we typically live but we're like oh i'm gonna go get into a difficult conversation right now that sounds really fun like <laughs> that's not what we purpose it's not it's not fun <laughs> well and that's not like what we purposely seek out but we just end up there, not intentionally. So what can we do when we find ourselves in that situation? And that's where we are. I will say what's actually really cool about having difficult conversations is that it's just like exercising a muscle. You know, they talk about how when you, um, when you're exercising a muscle, it actually breaks down first. So it can be painful and you get some soreness the next day, but then the muscle builds. So what's cool about actually going through difficult conversations with your parents or your friends or anyone you're in relationship with, it might be kind of painful and uncomfortable for the moment. But what happens when, when you get through that, you have a stronger relationship. So it ends up being really beneficial to not necessarily avoid, but to, to go there and let yourself 
um, try and for size, if it is a safe relationship that you can go there and not necessarily be perfect, but say things not great or, or great. And either way, that'll also help you realize like these, this is a really good friendship that I should nurture. This is a really good relationship that I'm okay. And I'm safe. And that's good for us no matter what. So I just wanted to start with that, that I think that it's really important to know that on the other side, it might be uncomfortable, but that's temporary. And then otherwise it teaches you boundaries, which leads to my next question. I'm like, I was thinking There are so many great benefits to having difficult conversations and they are really needed. So like in your perspective, what is the, I don't know, how would we word it? Like reward or like the treasure of having a difficult conversation? What can be gained from them? Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, it goes back to strengthening those relationships. So you get stronger relationships, a closer friendship, whatever it may be. But also a lot of times, you know, when we go back to like the survival thing that we talked about, that our bodies are trying to survive, there's a lot of communication that's happening with our bodies, like those symptoms that you have with the sweaty palms that are not necessarily verbal. So by you actually engaging in it verbally, you're constantly also supporting your physical health. Um, And there's a lot of research and science out there that talks about the more that we are able to um, have safe outcomes with situations that we have a typically a stress response, our bodies will be able to respond in a more healthful way and, and act in in balance, or, you know, the scientific term would be in homeostasis, right, to be in that balanced state. So it benefits you in, in, in all facets from, from that very physical place, and also from that very logical, more brain centered place too. And just having more friends, having a better relationship with your parents around the house, like when you guys are talking together. And I even think sometimes the most difficult conversations you have are the conversations with yourself. Yeah. I feel like, (laughs) yeah. Or, or gearing up, like think about all the times that you avoided saying something that you wanted to say or, um, engaging in a difficult conversation. And how long did that linger for you? Were you overthinking? Did it upset your sleep at all? Was it, um, did you kind of lose a little bit of appetite? Like there's some things that happen when you don't actually engage in them that can be a far, can be painful over a longer term rather than can I have a little bit of skills or tools to have a generous perspective, use things like I wish. I mean, I have tons more language tools that, that I can teach, but there's also, um, there's also things like just internal resourcing that you can have that will really serve you over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what other things do you have, you know, for this last little bit of tools that can help the girls help the teens that are listening around Mm -hmm. difficult conversations? Yeah, I think that there's, there's two really foundational things, um, humility and curiosity. So when I talk about humility, I like to remind people that we're only one in 7 billion people. So this can be really cool because it can remind you that each one of our experience is entirely, extremely unique. And when you realize that, then you can have, that can actually support you in finding that generous perspective where you're like, whoa, like this friend of mine is coming from an experience that I have no understanding of. And then that can give me this, like they're doing the best that I can. And also then lean you into curiosity. So with curiosity, it is exactly what it sounds like. We've heard a lot of times the curiosity killed the cat. 
So what you hear from that is like, that means I shouldn't be curious. What am I going to be a dead cat? Like that sounds horrible. (laughs) So in actuality, there's this other quote that I like to think of from Albert Einstein. It's like, never lose your holy curiosity. So when we come from a place of like, if someone's, uh, if you're feeling threatened in a conversation, what if instead of being defensive or coming back with a statement, maybe ask a question like, can you help me understand why you feel that way? Or can you tell me more about why you need this help or whatever it may be? So you can start with these questions of from this humility place, like, whoa, everyone's different. That makes me really curious. Then I'm going to ask more questions before I then form my strong boundary or opinion. And then from there, I'm more advised or more in tune with, no, that's still not for me. Now I can express, I feel this way because of this action. So it just really all flows one into the next. And it sounds like a lot. I don't want it to be overwhelming and I don't want people to overthink. Um, I want you to be able to hear it and uh, just take what works for you, even if it's just starting with one of these. But humility and curiosity are really at the root of all of this. Yeah. Curiosity is actually one of my most favorite emotions because it's kind of like neutral. Instead of feeling annoyed, I'm like, okay, so let's see if we can just get too curious, not like super happy or loving, right? But if we can take annoyed to curious and kind of redirect it to being like, oh, I wonder why they are doing this. You know, I think it just gives you such a different perspective. I mean, even when dealing with your parents, like it gets annoying. They say things they, we feel like, well, me, I'm not a teen anymore, but (laughs) teens feel like they're trying to trap them. I love the question. Like, I wonder why they're doing this. Like, what is their reasoning for this? Yeah. It's almost like in your head, if you can constantly start with something like, I wonder, I wonder why, and then finish whatever it may be, then you can form that into a question to them. Like, can you tell me more or can you explain why? Because we've all heard this probably a hundred times. There's no such thing as a stupid question. There is no such thing as a stupid question. And especially when you're relating with other people, it's all, it's probably more important to ask questions. Um, One of my favorite people always says like, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? So that we can, so that we can listen more and talk less. And it's no, it's by no means to not use your voice. It's just that we really can first tune in and listen. And if we were all listening to each other more, we would all feel a little bit more seen. And maybe these conflicts and challenging conversations would, they're always going to happen but they may subside or we might get through them a little bit quicker if we're all coming from that curious listening place. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing so many of your great tools with us. You are doing some amazing work. And so I just want you to share what you're doing, where, where listeners can find you before I let you go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, I also have a podcast so you can tune into the third place podcast. Um, I have a co-host on there. And like I said, we have awkward conversations. So we literally immerse ourselves in curiosity and humility every single day. My most loved cherished thing that I get to do every day is I co-founded the element collective with my business partner, Kylie Roswell, and it's an interactive education platform for teenage girls, 14 to 18, for everything that isn't included in conventional schooling. So it spans mindfulness to communication, to 
movement to entrepreneurship and even budgeting, whatever it may be, we get to have incredible people on our platform to contribute to these really important things and tools that we can learn. And on the other side, uh, rewarded with being introduced to incredible conscious brands and partnerships. And side note, Sammy is one of our amazing contributors. Oh, (laughs) soon. So, so when is that going to be available and when is that going to be live? Or I don't know if that's even the right word. So the platform is, um, we're going to have our soft launch and we're recruiting our first founding members. So those that are engaging with the platform, giving us lots of feedback. If they're, if there's interest in being an internship that's starting in the fall. So that'll be September time. So if you're interested in being one of our founding members, you can find us at element with two L's collective.com. And then from there, we'll be converting to an amazing full-blown membership platform for everyone to access. You can also find us on Instagram at Element Collective. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Mary. Sure. Appreciate your time and for teaching us from your education and your perspective. Thanks, Sammy. And thank you everyone. And just like what we were saying before, you know, honoring ourselves is, is number one. Yes. I 100% agree. Thank you. Be well. If you are interested in any of my one-on-one coaching programs for teens and their parents, please visit my website, knowingup.com. That's K-N-O-W-I-N-G-U-P.com.